Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Three of a Kind podcast. As always, I'm Liam, the Stoke fan, joined by my Leicester City follower Max and Pompey support Stu, talking all things football. Gents, how are we both? Smashing, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Stu? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. All good after a good weekend. Good, awesome. good to hear. Well, yesterday, well, Sunday's action was uh, was eventful, to say the least, in the Premier League. A lot of goals. Um Makes our three of the best a lot harder to pick than normal. Um, so, who wants to start with their moment of the weekend? I'll, I'll get mine over and done with. It's not a uh, it's not a Salah love fest for me this week. Um, I'm going to mm. talk about Brentford. Uh, okay. Obviously, they, they beat Wolves the other week. A good good away win uh, and completely dominated. And they've done the same to West Ham. Um, Ivan Tony at the heart of things again. Obviously, uh, Mbemo and the, their new signing in the summer, the striker they got, I think it's for France, that Wisser, he scored uh, a late, very well, very, very late goal for them, uh, meaning they've now moved up to seventh. Um, and then they've only got one defeat as well so far this season, which is very strong. Um, you know, we, we talk about the likes of Leeds and what earned Wolves in the past who have started strongly and obviously have, have got good in positions as well. Uh, they've got 12 points from 21. Um, and interestingly as well, obviously they beat West Ham. They're actually above West Ham. And everyone's been raving about them this season, saying that, you know, they're, they're probably the biggest threat to the top four, top six sort of positions. Um, and Brentford are above them. So, um, yeah, top top um, top performance from them again. Standout performance for me uh, with, with Tony and Mbemo. Uh, obviously Mbemo getting the goal. Um, and, and at the back as well I mean they've obviously got uh, Pinnaker I think they signed from Barnsley I think Norgard and, and that Shandon Baptiste they're all excellent as well and throughout the whole team they just seem like a, a real good unit um, Ivan Tony last season he's just he's just sort of kicked on still um, I mean I remember me saying when he was in League One at, at Peterborough and even when he was in loan at Wigan uh, I just I, I just kept calling them offside merchant. Um, he proved me wrong last season. He got 31 in 45 in the championship, and he's got two two goals already this season and two assists. So he's um, he started the season well and uh, proven his worth. Yeah, they're rolling at the minute. Um, they've had some, they've had some really good results, um, beating some teams that people didn't expect him to beat and getting results that didn't people didn't expect him to get. Um, the game against Liverpool, for instance, last week that we spoke about, where that Vissa popped up again with a with a crucial goal. Um, Villa as well they got a good result against Villa beating Wolves uh, comfortably com- uh, the, a few weeks ago and then obviously again a nice win a nice short trip to London around, well around London sorry uh, and getting the three points against West Ham as well yeah they seem to be very high energy Brentford I think a lot of promoted teams sort of have that same style um, we've seen it before I mean I can't recall the season that the Hull were promoted and they were actually in the top four at Christmas Marlon King up front, if you remember him. There's a random footballer for you. Um, but it seems to me that Brentford can do a lot of damage this season. They can outrun and outfight a lot of teams. And I think team spirit in the Premier League goes a long way. I can see Brentford, you know, I made a prediction at the start of the year. They'd finish in the top 12. And as of right now, I think that's very much a safe bet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the same. Top top 12, um, comfortably. Um you know, and even they could even challenge the sort of the top eight and be at the surprise package this season. You never know. Um, I know many have tipped uh, the likes of, of Palace to be the surprise package this season, but um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's Brentford at all. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Max, have you got anything for us this week? 
Yes, mate. I just wanted to touch on um, Thomas Tuchel or Thomas Tuchel, however you pronounce his name. I'm sure someone will correct me either way. Um, they have impressed me a lot this season. And obviously with the manager coming in, taking over Frank Lampard, um, you know, a lot of question marks surrounding how he would develop the team uh, like Lampard arguably did. And I just wanted to touch on um, the squad utilisation that he's actually been bringing in. Uh, as we saw at the weekend, they won 3-1 against Southampton fairly comfortably. Um, Shalaba, Barkley, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi all played in that game. And it just made me think about how he's keeping the squad very happy because you've got a lot of world-class talent in that team. That you need to keep happy and arguably the best player of the year in the whole calendar year in Jorginho. And you've got big signings like Lukaku as well, who's took the pressure off Timo Werner, who's playing more like a, a forward as opposed to a striker, playing off him as opposed to up front on his own, sort of taking away the pressure of the goals on his back because we know that Werner's been incredibly unlucky um, with having bucket loads of goals being disallowed, you know, just by itself. So um, I just wanted to touch on that really and how impressed I am with his his system as well. He's utilised the wing backs well and. Alonso's got a new lease of life, and it looked like he was going to leave, and Chilwell was going to be the main man there. But Alonso's made that spot his own again. Although saying that, going back to the utilisation, Chilwell played at the weekend and bagged himself a goal. Yes, and conceded a penalty, but you know that was a minor blip, and otherwise a very good performance from Chelsea. So, Thomas Tuchel, I tip my hat to you, and I really can see him finishing in the top two at the very least this season. Yeah, they've yeah. they've been very very strong, um, but for me. Like you say, I mean, the, the rotation is key and obviously City have done it over the years. Um, I, mean, you know, I mean, they've got so many midfielders now and obviously they, they brought in Saul from uh, Atletico as well. Um, I, I know obviously it sometimes takes time to bed him in um, and, and he's, he's doing it the right way, I think, you know, bringing him in slowly. I know I remember Liverpool did the same with Fabinho and uh, obviously Thiago as well and it seems to be paying dividends for them as well. Um, and you know, many people see the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek coming in and thinking, you know, what? Why? Why is he bringing him in? You know, he's 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 been alone at Fulham in the past in Crystal Palace and not really done much. But if if he can get him ticking and playing really well, um, you know, he, he could be on the fringes of the England squad again and be a, a, a key part in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the players you touched upon there, Ross Barkley. I mean, obviously, a lot of the players that you mentioned were fringe players, and Ross Barkley stands out like a sore thumb to me. Struggled to get in the Villa team. Um, John yeah. McGinn and, and Grealish. And, well, they even brought Morgan Sanson, I believe his name is, from France. And even he was keeping Ross Barkley at the team, along with uh, Ramsey, the young kid that's got game time now. And they didn't want to extend his loan, so it just shows how much they thought of him. So to go from from that and not being fit and not looking like he wanted it to, to doing what he does in a Chelsea shirt on the weekend just goes to show that Tuchel's doing something right. I read something with him and Rudiger actually, where Rudiger was looking to, was expected to be PSG's first signing under two, four years back, and the deal fell through. Yeah. Um, and then, it, and now at Chelsea, there's talks of him, his contract's running out, and there's talks of him leaving, but it looks like he's going to be staying as long as Tuchel's there. And he seems to be an, a completely new player. I uh, remember the Champions League final, he, he more than played his part in that game um, with a mask on, shall I say, as well. Um, and yeah, they, they they seem to be the team that the team to beat at the moment. Obviously, Man City are, are up there still competing as are Liverpool. Um, but the the team to beat, I think, this season are Chelsea. Before you mentioned managers, I thought you were going to mention about Claudio Ranieri getting his Christmas temp job hmm. um, at Watford. Um, yeah. Just yeah. well, a couple of hours before this recording, 
Absolutely. It's, always, uh, always love him. What a legend of the club forever, really. And you can't blame you can't blame him. So I really hope he does well at Watford, except when he plays uh, against his old club, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, well, sticking with the Chelsea theme as such, I'm going to bring up an ex-player. And, Stu, I'm sorry to take the limelight from you, but I'm going to mention Mr Mo Salah this week. Mm-hmm. Um, nine goals and one assist in his last eight. Um, the goal he scored yesterday was was ridiculous. It just broadcasts the talent that he has and the, the what the ability that he possesses and what he brings to a game. And big big players score big goals in big games. And whilst De Bruyne's goal was was out of this world in his weak foot, so was so was Salah yesterday. He's one of those players where you always know what he's going to do you and you know he's always going to go in his left foot. And then he still manages on the on the other occasion shift it onto his right and and smash it home on his right. I, I, take it onto his right foot, sorry, and smash it on his right rather than his favoured left foot. Um, and I read a stat today since August 2017, so just shy of, well, just over four years, um, 101 goals, 36 assists is ridiculous numbers. Uh, touching yeah. touching 150 goal involvements in, in four years is is outstanding. Like the top, top players do that and, you know, Messi and Ronaldo touching the, the peak towards the end of their careers now, past their peak, some may say, uh, I think Salah's been doing it for a couple of years now and he, he might actually be the player that gets Ballon d'Or if, if Liverpool been trophies home this season. It wouldn't surprise me. And I just want to touch on his assist as well for Mane. I don't think that gets spoken about enough, the way he flicks the ball over the defender on the halfway line with such ease. He's made the right run and he's played the pass perfectly into Mane, who's, let's face it, in the last 12 months has been pretty short and confident. And you can argue of the normal front three, he'd probably be the one to be edged out normally in terms of form. But I think that goal will lift him massively. So, no, brilliant from Salah, of course. But uh, tip of the hat to Mane as well. Lovely, cool finish. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one with, uh, with well, Salah and Mane, really. And they've both been linked the last sort of 12 months or so with moves away. Uh, I, th- I think both have been linked with Real Madrid in the, in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Um not really sure what happened with Mane last season. I don't know whether he's a, he's a confidence player and, and likes playing in front of fans because uh, he was certainly affected last season when many thought he would probably be their main man. Um, and I know that they had a bit of an off-season. I know they picked up from about February and managed to obviously get the top four again. But yeah, Salah's just been unbelievable. Um, and as you said, right now, I I, I think he is, he's probably the best player form-wise in the world, um, without a shadow of a doubt. He's just really, really started the season well. Um, and and he is key along with along with obviously Mane um, for, for, for providing the goals. Um, obviously Jota's there as well, and he sort of gets the odd few goals and, and key assists as well. But um, yeah, those two have just been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, agreed. Um, anyway, let's move on, Stuart. I believe you've got the uh, trivia for us this week. Fire away! I, I have indeed. So my. Quiz question for you guys this week is there are seven Brazilian scorers for Manchester United. Can you name them? Uh, okay, Max, you want to take it in turns having a guess? Do you think that's probably the easiest way to do it? Yeah, okay. I'll start with Anderson. Yep, so that's the first one, Anderson. Uh, he was actually going to be mine. Um, <laughs> It's my birthday, actually. One fact for you. Cleberson. Yep, so that's the second. Um, I'll go with... 
Rafael, was he Brazilian? Yep. Yeah. That's the third. I'll go for his twin brother, Fabio. Yeah. Oh, you're doing quite well, actually. I thought I thought you'd um, struggle with this. I'll say Fred next. Yep. That's the fourth, fifth. You've got two to go. This is where it gets tough, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, this, is, this is where it gets a bit difficult for me because I think we've listed off the five obvious ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I've got one. Go on. Cleberson. I've had him. Why have you had him? That's my fault. Yeah. Okay. So so far we've got so far we've got Cleberson, Raphael, Anderson, Fabio, and Fred. Oh. I was so cold about Cleberson as well. I wasn't listening. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. Okay, this is trying like mind wrapping my head. Give you a, I give you a clue. One of them has scored very, very recently for them, as in the last couple of weeks. Alex Tellez. Yep. So that's the sixth one. And I know the other one as well. <laughs> He's out on loan and I can't remember his name. Yeah, you are. I've got it. I've got it. I know it. Max, do you know it or not? Uh, no, mate. I've got blank. It's Pereira. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. I actually thought yeah. you'd really struggle with that. I thought it was quite a good, um, quite a good trivia question, but it seems to be uh, quite easy like last week's one. Right, I'm jumping straight in then, gents. Sorry this week with Stoke. Uh, I'm still buzzing from Friday, to be honest. I feel like an 18-year-old that's just been experiencing his first weekend out. Um, obviously, we had a disappointing 1-1 draw with Preston. Uh, I say disappointing, we'd have, took the, we'd have took the point before the game. But uh, to, to come out with a 1-1 draw after the amount of attempts we had at their goal uh, and, to get, and to drop points to a, another free kick... Uh, from 25, 30 yards, similar to the Barnsley game a couple of weeks prior, was yeah. disappointing. Uh, again, super nit pal piping up with a goal. Uh, but more importantly, Friday's game. I mean, if you weren't, if you weren't watching that game on a Friday night, you probably didn't have as good a night as someone that was. Um, I mean, let's face it, that game. I mean, that game. It had a disallowed goal. We hit the bar. We hit the post. We had three one-on-ones that were saved. Um, and also a goal on top of that to win the game. Uh, it had absolutely everything. Uh, I thought we were fantastic, but it was also one of those games where the longer it goes on, the, the more nail-biting it becomes. Uh, you sit there thinking, you know, if we don't score a goal in the next 15, uh, we're going to we're gonna lose this game. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing stats at the end of the game, like it's the least shots that Albion have had in the game all season. I think I recall, I don't recall Davies actually making a save. Um, and a lot of their shots were from 25, 30 yards in desperation from, from rebounds and corners. Uh, I felt like the midfield dominated the game. Uh, Sam Lucas came on and did very well. Uh, Francic hitting the ball was very unlucky. It was a fingertip save from Sam Johnson. Whether it was going in or not, I don't know if it was. What a save. Um, but again, Sturridge missing, missing some key chances could have come to bite us in the backside. Luckily, it didn't. Um, you know, And a quick reminder that the midfield, well, I say midfield, Bar Allen, Nick Powell, Vrancic and Thompson, Jordan Thompson, who came in, cost a total of 150k in transfer fees. And that's on the basis that Jordan Thompson cost the entirety of that from Blackpool and the other two were on threes. Um, Chester, Wilmot and Suter with a back three, all brilliant. Couldn't have picked a man of the match, to be honest, that, that from the whole 11 that played while well, starting 11. 
Uh, Chester got a lot of stick on Twitter, which I didn't like to see before kickoff. Um, well, actually, he's quite. He's a fringe player, isn't he now? Yeah, I think it's one of those ways. You know, he's been in and out the squad. He's, he knows his place in the squad now. And games like West Brom, where he's got that experience, he's got that little know-how, and yeah. he's up for the physical battle. I think it was perfect for him against Jordan Hugel. Uh, Stuart, as you know, he's a very he's a very immobile striker. Yeah, uh, and someone yeah. that. Chester would you'd expect Chester to do well against. Um, Sutton Wilmot were brilliant as well. Uh, another clean sheet for Davis. That's you know seventeen in thirty one now for for Davis. He's obviously got um, international duty with Wales now coming up. Nick Powell's got four goals in four, five in seven for the season. I think I think he scored four goals in fourteen days. Some daft like that. Um, and the reason I'm so happy to be honest is it's worth noting that on my on my time hop, uh, yes, a couple of days ago it came up saying. Uh, I was at the Stoke Huddersfield game in the league. We lost that game um, and we were two points. We had two points all season from a possible 30. Uh, oh. So to go from that to where we are now is is just phenomenal. Um, gents, I don't know whether you caught the game, but... Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll caught some highlights. Um, didn't catch the full thing, but I just wanted to know what was going through your head actually after uh, the Surridge miss because, and the penalty spot, of course, because he's replaced Brown, who's already missed a one-on-one and he's stepped up and he's... He's missed it. What's going through your head? Are you thinking, oh, it's one of those days, smash and grab from the baggies? And, you know, it could, I know it's quite early on in the season, but you count them as promotion challengers alongside yourselves. So after that miss, what's going through your head? Yeah, I think it's one of them. Storage is one of those players where he, he does have a lot of chances. Um, I remember when we had, when Crouch first started for us as well, and he took a lot of chances, but you also knew he Crouch sometimes he only needed one. Uh, Sawage against Barnsley had took his goal. He got a goal really on, really early on in the game, and then missed missed four sitters. Could have had four goals uh, in that game, and he came on and did. He came on. He looked lively. He was a bit more. He's he's less mobile than Brown, but he's more mobile than Fletcher. Uh, he put himself about a bit. Won the penalty, um, and I, which he obviously took and missed. It was a very poor penalty, to be honest. Um, and then he obviously missed the chance from six yards out, which was literally the same chance in the same position from the same type of ball from time that he had against Barnsley with the same output. But I think it's it's just confidence with him it'll come. But yeah, for me personally, sitting watching that game, you know, as a football fan, it's one of those where the longer the game goes nil-nil and the team hasn't had a chance, you know that there's a chance that they get one long throw into the box or one long ball in into their strikers and, and anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I'm like Max. I, I caught snippets of the game and obviously I've watched sort of the, the main highlights back as well. And like you say, 65, 70 minutes in, you, you're looking at that. The amount of chances that Stoke had, like you say, with the Brown one-on-one, which he should have buried. Um, obviously, you hit the bar. Um, and, and and then obviously the penalty miss. You sort of, it was it was 1-0 baggies written all over it all day long. They had one chance, I think I recall. It was on a half fall. I can't even remember who, who it had it. I don't know if it was Carlin Grant. I, I'm not sure. Or Diane Garner. But um, it was straight at Davis, um, didn't trouble him at all. Um, your midfield, like I say, Jordan Thompson, I've seen a bit of him in League One, obviously when he was at Blackpool, and he was very, very good for them as well. But he was one of those, he went about his business very, very quietly, and he's doing the same for Stoke, but he's, he's a key player when he does it. Um, and, you know, with, with Alan Age in a little bit now, um, he's a more than adequate replacement. And like I say, with the, the fee involved, it's just peanuts it's like you've got Harry Redknapp in charge of wheeling and dealing with that midfield you know the money you spent <laughs> on this, you know it's just unbelievable um and yeah obviously 
Now West Brom have lost. It'd be interesting to see how they bounce back from it and also how you bounce from it. Obviously, within international break, obviously, some teams can lose a bit of momentum. You know, you've been on good form. Um, and obviously, I, th- I think your next game, you've got Sheffield, Sheffield United, I think you've got on you. Yeah, um, Sheffield yeah. United and Bournemouth are Annex too. So, yeah, two very big games. Which obviously Bournemouth are still unbeaten. Sheffield United, they've they've improved, um, especially since Morgan Gibbs White's come in there, and obviously he's done a very very good job. To be fair to him, um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on and, and how Stoke fare away from home at a hostile Bramall Lane. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, quick one before we move on with Thompson. He, he's one of those players where because of his playing style, it allows Allen to do his running around, and and Thompson kind of covers him a little, and he allows him to do that. Obviously, we had Sawyer's missing. Uh, against the Albion for, for his loan purposes. And Thompson just sits and anchors the play a little, sits and dictates the play from very from a very deep role, but it also frees Allen up to move further forward. And I think Allen's, Allen being in that final third so crucial in the link-up because it takes the pressure off Rancic and, and Powell and, and Brown earlier on in the game. And then obviously when Fletcher and Fletcher and Surridge came into the game as well, it takes it off them as well. But also it's just that the engine that he's got as well, Joe Allen to to run around and, and run the and boss the game the way he did on Friday was was so impressive to see. Um, but yeah, we weren't the only team that got uh, a nice win on the uh, on the weekend after a, a disappointing midweek fixture uh, as well against promotion uh, opposition. Shu, how did you see yeah. your game on the on the well, weekend? As, as I said last week, it's never a dull moment being a Pompey fan. Uh, obviously, played Burton Burton Albion away in midweek. Um, obviously a long trip up to the Midlands on a, on a cold Tuesday night um, and yeah we were awful I've not really got a lot to say on it we lost 2-1 um, Hackett, Fairchild, Hackett Fairchild came on scored a great free kick and, and that was obviously early on in the second half after being 2-0 down um, and I thought we'd kick on from that you know fighting to try and get a point out of the game but it, we didn't uh, we scored the goal and that was it we had no pressure on them at all Um Morel was the only stand-up performer, really, from the game. He was the only one that looked like he had a bit of fight and, and something to, to go with it. But he seems like he's he's sort of like he, he's he's thinking he's a lot quicker than some of the other players. And you can tell that, you know, he's a championship and international standard player and some of the others aren't obviously at that standard yet. Um, obviously, going on the away form, I mean, I, I didn't think... I, I know I predicted us to win that game, but... In my head, I I wasn't that confident. Um, we've only won one away game this season, and that was on the opening day away at Fleetwood. And we've only scored four goals in those five away games that we've played as well. So we do need to improve that if we are to maintain, well, not maintain, more push for a promotion place or playoff place at, at the very minimum. Um, but yeah, on to Saturday. I'm a bit like you, Liam. I was absolutely buzzing after the game. Didn't expect much at all. Uh, after the midweek performance, I, I actually uh, predicted in our in our little group chat that some of them would actually beat us four one. Um, but uh, yeah, good four 0 win. Green um, up at half time. Okay, I've seen a lot on Twitter and Sunderland fans on it. Obviously, they've got a big rivalry with Pompey fans over the last couple of seasons, saying you know the game should have been abandoned, this that and the other. But um, at the end of the day, the conditions yes they were bad in the first half, but they were still playable, and we both had to to play in them and we we you know we adapted to it and got three quick goals in the first half to sort of you know put the game to bed so to speak uh John Marquis I know he's had his critics over the last 
well, year to 18 months. He worked very, very hard and it was probably his best game for us uh, and what a game to do it in as well. He, he was very fired up. I mean, I couldn't really name, like, like Stoke, couldn't really name a bad performance that day. Uh, we were very, very up for it and we needed the win massively. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and, and big shout out to Lee Brown as well. He's a defender. He's been playing wing back in our sort of revitalised formation that we're playing at the moment, sort of like a three at the back with two wing backs. Uh, and he's got three goals this season. He's had joint top scorer along with Harness, who also scored in the game. And obviously, Mark has got two. Um, so, yeah, very, very good from us. So, I think, as I said beforehand, um, the worry is going forward, and that's proven. If a, if a defender's your joint top scorer, it shows that you, you need a bit more firepower up, up top. We've got the third best defence in the league despite only having two recognised central defenders fit and we play three at the back. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if we can, if we can play like we did against Sunderland, then we'll be absolutely fine and we can get a playoff push back on. Um, obviously we've got Rotherham away and then Ipswich at home. So two tough games, um, you know, we could do with three or four points from that really to maintain it. Obviously momentum, a bit like Stoke, we're, we're not playing at the weekends due to international call-ups and that would have been a, it, ideally, we could have done with playing it just to build a little bit of momentum. But uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are. I don't know if you guys have seen the highlights and whatnot and caught up. Yeah, um, yeah. to touch on um, this, one of the stats that interested me actually, Stuart. Um, your possession stats—you actually have forty-four percent of the ball. Um, is that proportionate to your style? Are you are you more quick fire attacking side in terms of counter attack, or is it just? Conditions played a part, and you couldn't play a proper way. You know, play out from the back. Yeah. Forgive my ignorance on the subject, of course. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I watch Portsmouth every week. I catch them mostly because of you. Um, but yeah. you know, against Rotherham, and I think you've got Ipswich and Accrington Stanley next after that. Um, we you be playing more on the deck, or was it just the conditions that messed up your original plan? I mean, Cowley came in and he said that he wants to play fast attacking football. You know, obviously a lot of the fans wanted Jacket out for the reason that he played Jacket ball, you know, long ball, Sam Allardyce style. Um, and obviously, yes, against Sunderland, we, we, we kept it on the deck when we could, but obviously we had to adapt to the conditions. It was very windy, it was right on the south coast, pouring rain, obviously the pitch in the second half was was holding the ball up. It was, obviously, I know you've seen it on, on Twitter yourself, and it, it some fans are saying, you know, it's as bad as the Leicester game in 2002, yeah. and I was there. Yeah, I was going to bring that link into it. Yeah, absolutely. I remember yeah. that day, goodness me. It wasn't quite that bad. Um, another 10-15 minutes it was going to go that way um, so I'm, I'm quite glad it wasn't called off or abandoned well should I say abandoned at sort of 3 or 4 nil because there'd have been a lot of uh, angry Pompey fans and players I think um, but yeah I think I think against Burton we, we we had a lot of the ball but then you could argue that well if Burton were 2 nil up they took the foot off the gas a little bit just to sort of save their legs if, if we did um, come on the attack sort of in the last 15-20 minutes uh, you know and been three or four nil up, we could afford to let Sunderland have the ball and just do what they want with it. Really, they they, they couldn't really break us down or anything and, and get any attacks going. So that they were non-existent a threat. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do now with that defeat. You know, is it a blip for them or is it, you know, due to the conditions and whatnot? They just weren't up for it, or are they going to start having a little wobble like they have done over the last three seasons in League One? Yeah, to be fair, it's weird. Obviously. Um... You touched upon the the possession, Max. It's weird because obviously uh, the goals, the second goal, I believe it was the the link up play. I think there was a couple of back kills in there and all sorts. It yeah. was you know it was like watching the the Pompey of the the early noughties with the 
Paul Merson's in the team. They're playing off Teddy Sheringham with all the back heels and flicks and goals. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm sure that the 2,100, I think it was, travelling Sunderland fans wouldn't want to have travelled that, you know, 11-hour all-round trip to have the game abandoned. I think, you know, if they'd have saw their team 4-0 up or even 1-0 up, and taking the three points, they wouldn't have moaned about the, the weather. So it's one of those, I think, in football way, if it's not going your team's way, uh, similar to the penalty, uh, the goal that we had ruled out, sorry, on Friday, you know, you're going to moan about it, you're going to complain, but that's just football, that's just how it is. And it's yeah. draining roundabouts. Um, you know, I thought Harness that took the first goal, took it really well. Um, you know, and the, the second goal, like I said, that I alluded to with the back heel was nice. And it was nice to see you even counter-attacking uh, when you were already three, four goals clear. I think it was, uh, there was an attempted lob from, I believe, was it Ryan Tunnicliffe or Tunnicliffe yeah. played, played the ball through? Yeah, I saw that as well. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to see you, see you get the, the win. Uh, you know, three points from possible six uh, isn't too bad, really, or considering, um, you know, the teams, the teams that I'd expect to see up, so like the Wiggins, um, and the Ipswich, well, the the Wigan won obviously two nil. Um, Sheffield United though and Ipswich both losing, so I think it's still all to play for. Obviously, with how earlier on in, how early on in the season it is, sorry, um, but also just seeing that the bigger the bigger teams as such um, dropping points left, right, it and centre in games you wouldn't expect them to. Yeah, I mean it is very very tight. I mean I know Wigan and, and obviously Sunderland have sort of started to take off a little bit and obviously Wigan are still going very, very well. But like you say, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Pompey um, and even Lincoln who were up there last season aren't sort of firing away. Um, and we're obviously, I think we're, we're 11th and 14 points. Um, we're only five off the playoffs. I know that seems quite a lot, but it's only got to take, you know, one win and a defeat for someone in the playoffs and we're right back in the mix. Um, and it's, it's it's a bit like the championship now. It is like a mini championship. The amount of big sides that are down in League One, you know, your Boltons, Wiggins, Pompeys, like we've named, Sheffield Wednesdays. Um, it, it's it's not an easy league to get out of. You know, Sheffield United took them numerous years to get out of it before they got back up to the Premier League as well. So, again, Sunderland have, and, and obviously ourselves have been down there for four or five seasons now. So, um, it, it's, it's times that the likes of Sunderland and Pompey need to get out of the leagues, uh, out of this league and get back up to the championship because they are very, very big clubs. I know they are there because of, you know, what's happened in the performances over the years, but, um, you know, it'd be nice to see them back up there. Yeah, sorry, yeah absolutely. Sorry, Liam. Um, just want to ask one more question. Separate competition. Um, the EFL trophy, I believe you have Sutton United coming up. Um, where's that stand on your priorities? Would you rather go up or have another day at Wembley? Uh, no, I'd rather go up. You know, I've had my day at Wembley, uh, obviously beating Sunderland, coincidentally, in the final. Uh, I was there. Great game. We were awful that first half. But um, the Jamal Lowe lob over the keeper um, will stand in my memory for life. It was probably one of the best games, but best atmospheres I've been to. And I've been to, obviously, the FA Cup final in 08 as well. Um, and it was a great day out. Um, and obviously, we got to the final against Salford. I know it was a year delayed, so it, it felt a bit odd. And obviously, we lost it on penalties that day. But yeah, I, I, I don't think we need the cut runs. We don't need the distractions. We need to get out of the league. You know, we've, we've done what we had to do. We've, the fans have enjoyed their day out. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm not I'm not bothered. Play, play the youth players, get the, the experience for them for the future. 
Right. Funny enough, speaking of England, Max, thanks for bringing that in with Wembley. Uh, I'm going to link it back to England with the international break coming up. Uh, what I'm going to do is, gents, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you um, for three almost like headlines that you have picked from the, the England selection. Uh, I believe you've both seen the, seen the international selection. Uh, what I'll do is I'll go first just so you can kind of grasp uh, the idea of what I've got and then um, Max, if you want to come in second with whatever you find, and then Stu, finish. Yep. Um, we'll touch just, it's just some little fun that I wanted to bring in this week before obviously we finish off then with Leicester. Um, so the three, the three standout headlines for me as such were um, Ivan Tony and Gallagher from Palace both missing out. Uh, I thought they would have been in. I think if there was two players that were going to get shouts for, uh, an international call-up for a debut call-up. I thought those two would have been in for a, a very good chance. Ivan Tony Stewart alluded to earlier, bringing in goals and assists for Brentford over the last few weeks and, well, years getting them promoted. And I think Gallagher's really stepped it up this season after his loan at West Brom last season. He's done so well at, at Palace, who are, who are uh, probably uh, defying odds this season. Um, we won't talk about Sunday's result just yet. Uh, but I think they were both very close to, to the squad themselves. Oh, um, obviously, you both know I, I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins and his work rate. So it was nice to see him get his chance and get called up into the squad again. Um, and then finally for me, Nick Pope, I thought it was unlucky to miss out. Um, but obviously, I understand that, you know, Pickford's the number one for England. Rams, uh, Ramsdale's had back-to-back clean sheets. I think it's three in the last three or four games at Arsenal. So he's been in four. And obviously, uh, Sam Johnson was playing for an unbeaten side up until Friday as well. So I can obviously understand his inclusion. Um, but at the same time, I think with Nick Pope, I, I'm under no illusion that he won't be in the next the next squad and ones after that. Um, so, yeah, Max, have you got anything to, to add? Yeah, um, I'm going to touch on um, Dan Yings uh, missing out now for his start to the season. You can argue alongside Watkins or even covering Watkins uh, at the very beginning. One goal of the month, I believe, against Newcastle, which uh, my father-in-law was actually at that game and he saw it himself. Um, he, We all know what Danny Ings is about. Hard worker, bags your goals. He's guaranteed your goals, really. He did for Southampton. Unlucky with injury uh, for Liverpool, but I believe he's earned a shot at the very least to at least um, get in amongst the camp and get used to, you know, bonding with the teammates and whatnot because I know he played a lot for the under-21s um, back in the, his Burnley days. So I count him very unlucky to not be included, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think him and Kane are around the same age, which surprises me because of the amount of chances Kane gets in the squad, you mm-hmm. know, considering the start he's had this season in comparison to Ings and what Ings has done over the last, you know, five, six years, probably now. He's been doing it for since he, since he left Liverpool. He's been doing it. Um, so yeah, I was surprised at that. Yeah, I mean, um, I I think Danny Ings is a very very good player, and for me, out of the the attackers behind Kane, you obviously got your, your Calvert Lewin. I know he's obviously injured, but for me, Danny Ings is is best of the rest. Um, I, I I'm not I'm still not sure on Bamford. I know he had a very very good season last season, um, and then obviously after that, you obviously got your Tammy Abrahams, which I'll touch upon in a minute. Um, and obviously your Ollie Watkins, but which is, like you say, he works very hard. Um, he hasn't got as many goals as I thought he had actually got for Villa. Obviously, he's very, very prolific in the championship. 
Um, but it'll be nice to see how he how he gets on, obviously, with a partnership, forming a more of a partnership now he's got in with him uh, and he can learn from him, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Max, have you got two more? Uh, yeah, I just want to touch on um, Mason Greenwood. Um, I think being very unfortunate to, to miss out. Um, but obviously you could argue in his place is Jaden Sancho, who, let's face it, has not set the world alight so far for Manchester United. Um, I don't even think he's got any goals or assists in the league, unless I'm mistaken. You know, he's, he's, no, failed, to, he's failed to light up the, the league like everyone thought he would. And I made a very bold, bold prediction at the start of the year that he would only get five goals and five assists at most. And I'm sitting on in my chair right now thinking I could be right. Um, I'm not sure what's gone wrong with him. He's prolific for Dortmund. Maybe he just needs more time to bed into the team. Who knows? But I think for a boy of his talents, he should be doing better. Um, but to be including the England squad on the back of that, you have to question Southgate's method there, uh, especially that Mason Greenwood is only getting better and better and better and reminds me, sort of reminds me, let's not get carried away here, but reminds me of Michael Owen in terms of his energy, how, you know, how he's starting to become more prolific. And I believe he'll be in the England team for a long while yet. So I think get him involved as much as you can, play him as often as you can, because we can mould him into something really good. So I'm very surprised that uh, he's missed out in that regard. Yeah, the only the only reason I can see potentially Southgate's thinking in, in calling Sancho up was maybe because yes, obviously he needs a bit more minutes obviously this season, and maybe it's the confidence thing. Obviously, no disrespect to Hungary and Andorra, um, but you'd like to think if he if he did play against them, he, he's going to have a good game. He's going to run right, especially against the Andorans, um, and it might just give him the confidence to go back to United and, and potentially kick on and, and start the season. Maybe I don't know. Actually, I mean, there's, there's always that aspect, but, uh, you know, back to my previous point, I think, you know, it would have been easy for Mason Greenwood to sort of do the same thing as well and stamp his authority in the England setup. Yeah. So, who knows, who knows what his thinking is. Yeah. Your thoughts, Liam? Yeah, no, I like, I like, I like I'm a big fan of Greenwood. Uh, I think Sancho is probably thrown into the, the depths of the Premier League probably too soon. I think what Villa did with Bailey, where they were bringing him in game by game, just as a sub and cameo appearances, you know, edging him into the team was probably the better approach. But you know, you spend a lot of money on a player, there's a lot of pressure on him, and you've got to you've, you've got to play them at the end of the day. So yeah, I was yeah. surprised to see him picked over Greenwood. Um, I like Greenwood though. I think he's a very good player. He can go on either side. Um, he can play anywhere across the front three, and then when he's running out, yeah, he can go on his left foot, he can go on his right. And he, he's so prolific, it's it's scary at times. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him in there. I think he'll be in there, to be honest, come come the World Cup, to be fair. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. And um, my final one, you said three, didn't you, Liam? Yeah. Um, it's about another teenager, uh, Jude Bellingham, who's also missed out. And this one has confused me the most out of the three, to be honest with you, because you look at his uh, playing time for England in the summer, I know you had... Phillips and Rice predominantly there, but Jude Bellingham, you could argue, was third choice. Um, terrific talent. You know, I know, Liam, you're, you're a big Dortmund fan yourself in terms of, you know, you've been there before, you've seen him yourself. I think what he brings to the, the team is, you know, that box-to-box energy, the calmness and maturity for someone so, so young. And, you know, he's not far from where I'm living at the moment. He's a Starbridge boy, which is where my wife's actually from. And I... You know, I've got nothing but praise for him, especially on the back of um, a very confident uh, Euros tournament when he got one, of course, he played. Uh, I see big things for him. And again, it's the same line as 
Mason Greenwood, why is Southgate not investing in, you know, getting two high-profile youth players in the setup quickly before the World Cup? It gives them a year, you know, to get used to the setup and get them as many minutes for the team as possible. Um, so in that regard, again, I'm not sure as to why Drew Bellingham has been left out because this boy could well be a Ballon d'Or winner one day. You know, you forget how young he actually is just by the way he plays on the pitch, never mind looking at his age. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that are. Yeah, I think unless he, unless he's resting him, it's criminal for me personally. I think Jude Bellingham has got, he's got it all. Um, you know, the, it's came out before the reason that the why he wears his shirt number is because he can play those multiple positions in centre midfield, whether it be the 10, the 8 or the 6. And I think, that's that speaks for itself. Fair enough, you know he's you know he's versatile. But when you see him on the pitch, you do see that he doesn't just play those positions, but he plays well in them. Uh, he, he plays all three roles. When you watch him for Dortmund, he, he'll play off Haaland. He'll, he'll sit deep and get the ball in Witzel's absence, or when Witzel's playing centre half, and and when Witzel's on the pitch and they've got someone playing off Haaland, like Julian Brandt, for instance, he's in the middle doing the box to box running. He, he has genuinely got it all. Um, so yeah, I was surprised to. I was surprised he wasn't picked. Um, I think Southgate's going to quite set on him, though. I think there's no one else like him yeah. um, th- that we've got at the minute or anywhere near the, the ranks of England. So I think he will be in the squad come come the tournament. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange one to have him left out. Yeah, for me, I, I, um, I, I sort of saw that, like you say, he, he was probably the standout one that missed out, um, considering, obviously, he was there at the Euros as well. Um, he has made 11 appearances this season for Dortmund. Maybe, like you say, it's to potentially rest some of Dortmund asked for, for him to be rested, considering the 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 players that, uh, sorry, the, the teams that we're playing. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't think he'll be missed as such, but yeah, going back to Max's point, it's, it's the right time for him to gain experience in the international setup and get used to Southgate's ways and the way he wants the team to play going into a, a big year next year or back in the next year for the World Cup yeah no absolutely absolutely so uh, Yashu your three quickly before we go on to Leicester so yeah um, big shout out One, one's happened today Tammy Abraham back in the squad he started very very well at Roma um, I, I'm surprised no one in the Premier League came in for him and well I know Arsenal rumoured to be looking obviously at him in the summer before he got his move to Roma um, he, as I said, he started quite well there, so he's, he's fully deserved his call up, and hopefully he gets some minutes because he, he again he could p- prove pivotal if Calvert Lewin is either out injured or isn't in great form for Everton and England. You know, like for like, Tammy is is the man who would probably be the like for like replacement for them both. Um, and it's also nice to see, my, my second point is uh, Tamori back in the squad as well, mm. another one that's playing out in Italy. Um, again, very unlucky to to lose his place at Chelsea after a very good standout first season. I think it was under Lampard and obviously he was on loan at Derby under Lampard as well. So obviously he got his chance at Chelsea through Lampard. Um, good to see him playing. Um, I've I, I read a stat on him as well that, I mean, his disciplinary record is absolutely phenomenal. He's got one book in. Um, in something like 38 games for AC Milan, absolutely unbelievable for a centre half. Standing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, he's got a big future ahead of him, hopefully for England as well. Uh, and my my last one, a, another centre half, is Esri Konsa. Um, 
you know, a lot of people talk about Tyrone Mings over the, over the last couple of seasons. Um, and some may argue that Esri Conster is actually better than, than Tyrone Mings. And obviously, he's, he's yet to get a call-up. I'd like to see him get a call-up. He was very, very good for Brentford before his move to Villa. And he kicked on and, and um, done very, 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 very well over the last two years for Villa in the Premier League. Yeah, Conster yeah. is a funny one because... I, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think Conser is a better centre-half than Mings. If you're looking at overall ability, I just think because Mings is left-footed, I know it's a, it's a small thing, really, but, you know, England don't have a left-footed centre-half and Mings is probably the only one, again, unless I'm mistaken. I think Conser's far superior in every aspect. I think Mings is quite error-prone. Plus yeah. one of his position, because you have to be... You're the last line of defence beside the goalkeeper, obviously. You can't afford to be making silly errors. And I think he's capable of that Mings sometimes. And, and he can be quite rash. Um, but if we're looking at overall ability, concert definitely ahead of him. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with those three shirts to be fair, Stu. Um, three players that have worked worked their way up. I know obviously Tammy and Tamori are both under contract to Chelsea before they were playing Championship football. But uh, yeah, to see obviously Tammy doing it at Villa, scoring goals, um, and then obviously Tamori doing his bit for Derby as well. Um, so yeah, concert as well with Brentford did, did his part. Um, so yeah, it's good. To, I'd like to see um, concert in there in the future. I think, uh, but yeah, it's good to see Tamori and Tammy both in there. Absolutely, it's good to see Tammy back. To be fair, yeah. Um, speaking of borderline England players, uh, Madison hasn't had the best of weeks, and neither has his Leicester team. Max, do you want to uh, do you want to start with the uh, Legia Warsaw game? Yeah, I'm um, sorry to end the podcast on a negative note, but uh, that's the way it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'll very, I'll very briefly speak about the Warsaw game because there's not much to say. 1-0 to Warsaw, deserved win for them. Um, they, they've been struggling domestically, in fact. They're 15th in the league before that game. Yeah, so they'd lost 3-2 at home to another average side in the league just before they played us. And on the day... It's just standard stuff. Outrun, outfought, outbattled, everything. You could tell Leicester were the superior team on paper, but we play on grass and nothing came our way. You know, even even with late introductions like Madison, um, made zero impact. And to be honest, lads, I couldn't pick out a stand-up performer, even if I racked my brains, to be honest with you. So I'll leave it at that. Um so I'll just jump on to Palace. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, even if, when you tune a lot and you're still not comfortable, you know you're in for a long ride. And again, I'm, I'm going back, I'm using the same adjectives as I just used to describe the Warsaw game. Palace were, first half hour, they were battering us all over the pitch. Not necessarily many shots, but in terms of winning the second ball, you know, hard in the tackle, outplaying us comfortably. It's just they're fine in the final third. If we were playing Manchester City, it would have been 6 0 at half time. Not even joking. Um, but we got a bit of luck when Kalechi Iheanacho, who all Leicester fans are crying out to start, and he got his start, got his goal, and comfortably rolled the ball into the back of the net. He's, he's just been a phenomenon in the last, in this calendar year. He's been the best Leicester player this calendar year. Puts us one up. And five minutes later, our only good move of the game came about. Tielemans clips into Barnes, runs through, slides into Vardy, and the goat doesn't miss. Slides in the corner, <laughs> and we're absolutely cruising. And 
as I said to you before, I wasn't comfortable. I thought, well, Palace are going to get another chance. And it's both the substitutes who come up with the goals, one being former Leicester player and title winner Jeff Schlupp, who I always have a soft spot for, for that reason. Um, as soon as it was 2 all, I thought it was only going to go one way. I thought Palace were going to go score a third, score a fourth. Um, but it wasn't to be, thankfully. Um, but yeah, 2 all. I take that point all day, considering how poorly we were on the day. Yeah, no, it's, well, it leaves you six points. I think it is off Europe now. Um, so you're still within contention by, you know, quite comfortably. Obviously, there's a lot left of the season, but, you know, you're not short. You're not too short of the pack. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Elise, the player that scored their first goal, I believe. He's a very good player. I've seen him in the Championship, I think. Um, Palace have done their business quite shrewdly with some of the players they bought from the Championship, like like him and Eze, uh, to to. Good examples there, um, and I think they've they've utilized utilized the transfer window very well. You know, Dwarden and Gallagher as well, bringing those in. Uh, it's funny actually because the Anderson uh, error for the Inacho goal was basically Inacho's time and space was very similar to to what Jacob Brain had for us on the Friday night, which hit the post, and that and that's the difference between the Premier League and and the Championship. And you know, it's those sort of chances that you know, if Stoke, dare I say, make it into the Premier League this season or in the next few years with Jacob Brain in the team, they're the sort of chances that he's got to be burying. But yeah, uh, yeah it's nice to see Kalechi get his good run of games. Um, you know, you've got the international break now, and then obviously. A big game at home against Man United. Uh, they're not in the best of form at the moment. Still look a bit shaky. They still look beatable for me at the minute, uh, especially under Oli. I think that they're, they're a beatable side, especially at home when you're when you're the home side. And then Brentford away, as Stu alluded to earlier, a very good side on on, on good form. Uh, so that'll be a good test for you. High intensity. Um, so, but again, with high intensity, leaves a lot of spaces, and I think that's where players like Vardy will capitalise. Yeah. I agree. Um, I just want to touch on um, uh, Vardy and Ianacho actually, because I've got a very interesting stat that I saw earlier today, and it shocked me because Brendan Rodgers, if there's if in the million to one chance you are listening to this, I want you to listen very carefully because Kelechi Ianacho and Jamie Vardy playing together up front have 33 goals in 32 games combined, but it's not even wow. like one of them reigns supreme. Jamie Vardy has 17 of those, and Ianacho has 16 of those. So, stats don't lie to you. When they play together, you're guaranteed goals. And that could be the saving grace for us in the next seven to eight months before the season finishes. <laughs> well, Brendan, you heard it here first. You know, to get in touch with for uh, future tactical advice on uh, who to play up front in your games. Uh, Stuart, have you got anything to touch on the rest of the game? Yeah, uh, firstly, I want to apologise to you, Max. Obviously, I messaged to say... You know, Leicester are cruising here. It could be a could be a nice weekend and a a, a happy podcast. But um, yeah, I spoke too soon. Never ever uh, write a team off. I suppose it's a bit like back in the early game and a on Sky Bet on the early kickoff on a Saturday. You just don't do it. Um, but yeah, uh, just a quick one on uh, Anderson from Palace. I know he made a mistake leading to Kletchy's goal. But I, I really, really rate him. Um, and I'm surprised that someone like Leicester didn't go in for him, considering, obviously, he, he came from, I think it was Leon, um, And there were big teams sniffing around him, and Leicester weren't one of them. Um, and you could, well, could arguably do with him right now, obviously, with the defensive woes that you've got. Um, but, yeah, Vardy, still still going strong. Um, many thought he would die off a little bit, but um, he's still looking as good as ever and as fresh as ever. And, obviously, with Kletchi up front, I think it could be 
key for him because he, he needs the, the support up there, especially with his ageing legs a little bit now. Um, you know, someone feeding him through, someone like Kelechi would be key. Um, yes, Stu, uh, Vardy, as you said, six goals this season so far. Joint top with um, one Mo Salah, who we're talking about as being that world-class group, and you could argue at one time, so was Vardy. Um, and he didn't start in the Premier League until I believe he was 27 or 28 years old. Started playing professional football at 24 or 25. So, idealistically, he, you know, he would carry on for a few more years at least because he hasn't had that strain of professional football through his teen years and his early 20s. So he could play till he's 40, to be honest, because you see, he's got no body fat on him. He'll, he'll play the same way, but he'll adapt his style as well and be more like probably a poacher in the box. That's why I think that partnership with Ian Acho is so important because Ian Acho, what he brings to the team, his hold-up ability has improved so much over the last 12 months. We've seen, seen aspects of it against Crystal Palace. Him and Castagna were the best players on the pitch by a, a massive, massive distance. And Inacho showed some beautiful touches and he showed exactly why he should be playing. And to hook him off for Madison, I wasn't sure why he brought him off, to be honest, because he, as I said, he was the best player, Bar Castagna, who I thought handled Zaha fairly well, considering that all the attacks came down his side. So it, it begs belief, to be honest with you. Um, and actually, I want to give a little shout out to Hamza Chowdhury because yeah. many people, including myself, and you know, including myself, were baffled. You know, he hasn't played all season. You know, not in Europa League, in Premier League, not even in the cup game. It's Millwall, I believe. I don't think he even played. So to play sixty minutes um, and actually to be the better of the two midfield players that day, um, I was very impressed. You know, he did a lot of the dirty work, ran, ran himself to the ground. He was hooked off for uh, Samari, who was fine. His partner, goodness me, boys. Um, I was raving about him last week on our first episode. Yuri Tielemans, our star man. I can't recall a worse performance from him. Um, you know, overall, sloppy, gave a lot away, but you know, he contributed towards the second goal with a beautiful pass. So he, he always has that game changing moment that creates that one big chance every game. He made it that you know, for uh, Vardy's goal, I don't know what's gone wrong. and not just for him, but, you know, for our senior players. Ricardo was hooked off at half-time last week. Didn't figure at all against Palace. He chose Bertrand de Castagna at full-back. Best of God, bomb scare again. I'm, And again, I'm another player I've been raving about, Johnny Evans. I'm praying for his return soon. Bafana's out and will be for the, till the new year at the very least. And what I like is that Rodgers isn't blaming injuries. He's sort of saying, you know, we know where we've gone wrong. We'll move on from there. But it's a mess at the moment, boys. You know, I'm not riding high like you two are at the moment. Um, but yeah, considering that we are, you know, the higher placed team, out of the three of us, obviously, on this podcast, you'd, like to, you, you, you'd expect a lot more. But at the moment, I don't know where our next win's coming from. With Man United and Brentford next two, where's it coming from? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're big games. I think it's one of those where, um, you know, on paper, your your starting eleven full strength squad is is one of the best in the league. It's why you you finished as well as you have in the last couple of years. But I think obviously at the minute with all the injuries that you've got in different places and all the chopping and changing, I think it's I think the struggle at the minute is balancing the Europa League with the Premier League, seeing you know what what squad can get the job done as such. Um, obviously seeing. Uh, Luke Thomas, for instance, playing left wing back in the Europa League, you know, 19 years old, playing in the European competition in that hostile atmosphere. And then 
you know, completely ch uh, chopping him out of the team, obviously, for the weekend. It's little changes like that where, you know, you've got to make them count. And I think at the moment it's just not going your way. But, you know, when all the players are back fighting fit and, you know, you get to you get into a rhythm, I think I think you'll be fine. And that's where you'll start to pick up your points personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I touched upon uh, on the on the last episode last week uh, regarding you, you should obviously beat a team like Ligia Warsaw. Um, but I wouldn't make too many changes, more for the momentum side of things. You know, if you'd have beaten them, maybe maybe given the players a little bit more confidence going into the Palace game. But like you say, Luke Thomas dropping out, it, it can it can unrest the dressing room a little bit. And I'm not saying that's happened, but obviously certain players who potentially could have good games one week and then been dropped. You know, like you say, he, he hauls off, uh, he brings on Madison. Um, probably not for the, the, the right player um, and it's sometimes like that it can affect the players and, and the dressing room and, and obviously get the fans on Rogers back you know I know you get the, the minority that are already on his back for for the reasons for a poor start of the season but I, I don't believe it's the right thing to do at all because um, I still believe that you'll come good and he's the right man for the job Yeah I, I don't believe the fans who are on Rogers back to be honest I mean I think he he has the right to be given the chance to turn it around, if that makes sense. I can yeah. imagine a lot of clubs, <clears throat> Watford, probably would have sacked him by now. <laughs> but I think with regards to the overall atmosphere of the club and how we forget this, but Rogers has won us two trophies this year. And he's a you know, he's brought in this style of play that suits us to the ground. Maybe, maybe the new signing, maybe he's trying to shoehorn players into the team maybe we have two stronger squads to sort of find room for these players um but in you know my, the best 11 i can think of at the moment in my head would compete for the top four you know week in week out in my head that if i could put any 11 out there if they're all fit and raring you know i'll run it through quickly casper uh Soyuncu, evans and Fafana back three ricardo castagna wing back and Diddy and Tielemans in midfield with Madison ahead and then Ian Atcher and Vardy ahead of them would, in my head, challenge for the top four. Yeah, That would be my start 11 at this moment in time that would turn this around. But we, we don't have the luxury. It's a squad game. So the, pl the players coming in have to do the job. And at the moment, it's not working. Um, but as I said, if Rogers were to go, who are we going to get that's better than him? That's the thing. Is who's available? Yeah. I think I think with Rodgers, I I think he's I think he's one of the best in the league. Um, I think I personally think Tottenham wanted him uh, in the summer, and the the way I look at it, it you know, it sounds quite narrow minded, but if you look at what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer spent and what he's won at Man United with the players and the caliber that he has and the following and support against what you know what you know the media would call little old Leicester and what Rodgers has done since he's came there from his from his you know, his trophy hall at Celtic is winning, you know, winning trophies, probably spent as much money in two, three seasons as what Ali Gunnar did on, on Jadon Sancho in the summer um, in regards to, you know, net spend and to, to to do what he's done so far with the squad he's got and the players he's got. It, it It's ludicrous, I think, if he, if he was to go at this moment in time, you know, if you're bottom three, fair enough, you've, you've kind of got a leg to stand on, I think, or, you know, really, really struggling. But, you know, at the moment, I think you're 13th in the league. Um, there's there's so much to play for, and you're still in Europe, and you've got everything to all these players to come back. I think, yeah, you, I think you'll be perfectly fine, and I think you'll be still up there come the end of the season. Absolutely, and 
you know, Wilfred and Didi being out for a few weeks now is a knife to the heart of my little fragile old Leicester heart at the moment. Um, but I hear that James Justin is on his way back and he would be massive in returning for us because last season, until he got injured, he was our standout player by some distance. Uh, Liam, I'll bring up a canole memory for you that you won't like, but a worldie he scored at the Britannia um, was just one of many highlights of his season. And I think this kid can kick on and be a huge success, never mind in the Premier League, but even getting an outside shout in the England squad because he can play both right and left back fairly, fairly comfortably. So we've got the squad. Um, it's just hopefully that we can turn it around and a massive performance against Man United in front of the in, in front of the crowd at the KP will do as the world of good. Because if we lose that and then we've got to go to Brentford, they're the one team in the league besides Liverpool and Man City that I would not want to see Leicester play against because of the high octane energy, the high press. Tony being in great form, Mbumo being in great form. They've got a very good goalkeeper as well. And it's hard to see where points come from. So the Man United game is massive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but between now and uh, the next fixtures, we obviously have the, the doom and gloom of the international break. Um, so next week's pod uh, will be a combined 11 uh, from Portsmouth, Leicester and Stoke. I'm going to set a rule that we want a minimum of three players from each team to be in that squad. Obviously, you have the luxury of some players that have played for multiple, maybe even all three clubs. Um, but it's a, I want it a strictly Premier League 11, just an 11 um, that you think would be the best 11 from these three selected teams of ours. Um, you know, and that's that's pretty much it, really. Uh, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, drop us a drop us a comment on on our Twitter uh, if you feel like you got any of the answers to Stu's trivia question uh, or your favourite elevens for the three teams that we have for next week's episode. Uh, see how they compare against ours. Vote Limvoy Primus. I was just going to say <laughs> you're going to have Limvoy Primus in there. I know for a fact. Absolutely. So yeah, feel free to subscribe anyway. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Three of a Kind Podcast. Thank you all for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next week.